Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on. That's right. Come on. It's Labor Day weekend, and we're here celebrating the Lord this morning. We're so excited about what God wants to do in this house. We thank you for tuning in online. We love you. Uh, do us a favor. Share this link. Get it out to everybody this morning. We want we want everybody to know that God loves them, and he has a word for them this morning. So come on. I'm going I'm to enter into prayer, but we're going to stand to our feet in here. I want you to stand to your feet at home. Get ready to worship as we worship together. Come on. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. We thank you, Lord. You're so good. You are so good, Father. We just surrender to you this morning. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Come on, Holy. We want your, your spirit to become present in this place, Father God. Let your spirit show up in the homes online, at workplaces online, Father God. We surrender it all to you. You have your way, Father God. Have your way in our lives, in our families, in our homes. Father God, have your way in this church this morning. We ask you to bless everybody online, all the churches online, Father God. All the churches across the region, Father. We ask you to just bless them and be with them this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said amen. Come on, we love you. You guys stand up, let's get ready to worship.
It doesn't matter what's binding you up, what has you pushed down to the ground, what thinks it has control of you. It all has to submit when he shows up in this house. It all has to submit. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be the spirit of depression, suicide, whatever it is, it has to submit to him. It surrenders to him because of his thing, because of who he is. So sometimes you just got to cry out. Sometimes you just got to cry out in his name and worship him and tell him how holy he is. Oh, come on, holy. Oh, we love you, Lord. Come holy. And when he shows up, peace will just cover you. It's like a cloud. Peace will just surround you. And his love, his arms will embrace you. So when you feel yourself in those moments, you cry out to him. You cry out to him. Surrender it all to him and let him do only what he can do. Come on, holy. We love you, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your grace and mercy in our life, God. We thank you, the Lord, that, that when we cry out, you are there, God. Come on, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that everything bows down to you. Oh, holy, we love you, God. We thank you for just coming and spending time with us, Lord. Come on, holy. Come on, have your way, God. Have your way. We submit to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody said amen. And amen. Come on, let's get excited in the house. <laughs> oh, come on, we can get we can do better than that. Come on, let's lift up a shout of praise. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on. Woo. Ah, come holy. Man, what a good morning. I thank you all for showing up this morning. Thank you guys for tuning in online. Do me a favor, go find somebody you don't know. Tell them hello, tell them good morning, give them a high five, a holy hug, and we'll be right back. Uh. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever Worthy of every breath we could ever be. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever shame. Worthy of every breath we could ever be. We live for you. We live for you. 
morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? That's right, you got to find your seats now. Got to find your seats. I gave you like 15 minutes to give somebody a high five. I know, brother. I know, brother. Man, so good to see everybody in the house. Uh, man, I'm excited. It's Labor Day weekend and you're all still in the house. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, that's good stuff, man. I thank you all so much. I'm DJ along with my wife, Jules. We get the honor to pastor here at Destiny Church. We thank you all for tuning in online. Do me a favor, share this link, get it out there. Uh, look, I know God's going to show up right where you're at. That's just how it is. So it doesn't matter where you're at right now. God's going to show up in a mighty way. We believe that. Uh, we believe that. So share this link, get it out there. Uh, reach out to our prayer teams. If, if you need prayer this morning, our, our prayer team's standing by online. So, so please, we'll put that information up on the screen for you. Reach out to them. Don't do this alone. You can't do life alone. Let us pray for you. Let us come alongside of you. Let us intercede for you. Uh, let us do what we, we can do to help you through whatever you're going through. So, man... Um, I'm fired up. I'll be really fired up if my mic keeps working. If not, it's okay. I'm ready to get loud in here. So if you're new in our church, uh, if this is your first time here, first time in a while, do us a favor. Fill out a Connect card. Uh, we'll have that card for you available. The ushers have it in the back. You can raise your hand. You can get one out in the foyer at Connection Point, the big wooden desk. We would love to know that you were here. We just want to reach out to you. Thank you for showing up. Let you know how much we love you and appreciate you. That's about it. So make sure you fill that out. If not, we didn't know you came. So, so give us an opportunity to, to pray for you and love on you. Uh, it's so important. Now, a couple announcements. Here it is. This is, the, this is all the announcements, so I'm going to go through them fast. Monday night prayer, 6 p.m. right here. We don't take holidays from prayer, y'all, so we'll be here tomorrow, 6, 6 p.m. right in the house. We're going to be praying together, so show up. It's going to be powerful. I uh, look forward to seeing God just show up and move in a mighty way. Tuesday at the table with Brother Bo will be at 6 p.m. on Tuesdays. Come on, get excited about that. He's ready to teach on a new lesson on faith. Look, it's going to be powerful. You got to get out here. You have to experience what God has downloaded into him. Our kids ministry, Destiny Kids Ministry, that's K through 6. Uh, come on, get them out here on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Our Destiny Student Ministry. So all your students from uh, uh, 7 through 12, get them here at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. Look, if you notice, 6 p.m. I don't ever want to hear excuses why people can't figure out when they're supposed to come to church. Everything's at 6 p.m. if it's throughout the week, all right? 6 p.m., 6 p.m. Our small groups, they kicked off. A lot of small groups are at 6 p.m. We're, we're trying. We're trying, yeah. So, so our married group, here's the thing. Drop your kids off on Wednesday and then walk next door. We have our married group going on. So come on over and fellowship around 6. We kick that off at 6.30. It'll be a powerful time. Come, come share time with other married couples in the church just trying to do life together. Uh, a couple more quick things. Our picnic is coming up on the 19th of September. Come on, y'all. It's the one time throughout the year we can get our whole family together over to Lanark. Um, so we're having a blast over there. Please, if you want to help volunteer to help with that, sign up online. You can download the app. You can go to our website, sign up online. Um, you can also sign up at Connection Point. Also, we're having a bake-off. So any, any, anybody that wants to join the bake-off is from a women's ministry, okay, the women's ministry. Sorry, it's getting, it's getting caught in my beard. Time to shave. Okay, so, so women's ministry is kicking off with a bake-off, so sign up for that so they know you're interested. Come on, I know we got some women that can bake up in here. I know we got some men that can bake, but guys, bring it to the grill. Uh, look, I'm not trying to separate this. There's women that can cook on the grill too. But, but the men's ministry, they're doing a grill master cook-off. So we have great prizes for both of them. Come out, be prepared, sign up for that stuff. Get plugged in that way. Come on, it's time to do life with our men's and women's ministries. It's going to be powerful. 
Um, we do have our baby dedication on the 27th. So if you have a young child, a young baby that you want to dedicate, we're doing our baby dedications right in here on the 27th. Sign up online for that. Let us know so we can reach out to you. And the last thing is our women's ministry is having their Recreate 2020. So Recreate Conference 2020. Come on, on the 25th. It's going to be on the 25th right here in, in in the sanctuary, show up. It's going to be a live stream, live fed, those type of things. So be in here. All the information's up on the screen. Uh, get out here. Enjoy time with the women's ministry. I'm telling you, I think, look, we have a lot of women in this church. So we should be able to pack this place out. It should be powerful to see what God wants to do with the women uh, in this house. I just know he has a great plan. So whew, that's enough announcements. I need to drink after that. Oh. Of course. <laughs> All right, guys, here we go. I'm going to pray. We're going to jump right into the word this morning. I'm excited to see what God wants to do. So, Father, we love you, God. We thank you, Lord, and we surrender to you. So, God, I ask you right now, reach out in a mighty way right now. Touch my heart, Father God. Speak to me, Lord. Let it be your words, not mine, and let it land on the ears of those that need to hear it. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen and amen. I don't know if signal can't go through a tissue box, but we're going to find out. Man, I'm so excited. Um, we have been in this Beatitude Adjustment series uh, for quite some time. It's quite some time. I absolutely love this. Uh, this is the constitution of the kingdom of God. Uh, and it kind of just weighed on my heart for months and months and months. And now finally I got to get it out of my heart and get it out to everybody. And we've been taking our time because it's so important to go back to the basics. It's so important to not get, get this... Uh, you become spiritually lazy in your walk with God and say, you know what, I'm just going to accept everything God's done, and I think that's all he can give. And when you find yourself in that spot, it's a lonely place, and God says, I want to bless you abundantly more. So that means we have to seek him in a different way. we got to continually stretch ourselves to grow and seek him in a mighty way. And that's what, that's what this has done for me. As I read through this, as I study this, it convicts me in my heart about the adjustments I need to make in my life, which is why we call it the Beatitude Adjustment, because hopefully through this, through this series, you have found yourself going, man, I can get better in that area. I can really get better in that area. I can work on that. I can do something different in that area of my life, and, and that's what this is all about. So um, like I said, we, we started it several weeks ago, but last week we took a break um, because we got to recognize Pastor Tim and Pastor Daisy uh, as, they, as they prepared to ship off to Florida. And I bring that up because I want you to know how much I love our church. You guys, what a blessing. Last week was a blessing to them, an honor to them. We packed this house. Look, we, the, the people that provided food and served food and everything was phenomenal. The giving, they felt overwhelmed. You know, I've been talking to them all week because I'm used to talking to them all week. So when I, when I don't hear from them in a couple of days, I'm like, hey, how's everything? And they said, man, they're just overwhelmed. Um, with the love from our church. And that's how it's supposed to be. Uh, like I said, they, they have not left yet, so you can probably still find them at their house. I didn't say that online to everybody. They're leaving. <laughs> they're actually, they traveled down this past weekend. They're supposed to be back uh, this upcoming week. I think they left yesterday, and they're coming back this week to kind of finalize things. Um, but the thing is, is, they're just so pleased with our church. They can't wait to come back and visit us whenever they can, and it's going to be good. So it's just nice that we now have an extension of Destiny Church down in Florida. Come on, that's all that is. That's how you do it, guys. That's how you do it. It's so good. Um, so two weeks ago, I'm going to go back two weeks now to catch you back up because some people weren't here. Uh, like I said, we've been in this series for a while. So in other words, I can't cover everything we talked about. Go online, watch it online. Everything is on our website, on our app. Download the app. You can get all the sermons and catch up. 
Uh, it's going to be really good. You know, if you had a hiccup today, by the way, that was just the enemy trying to say, you, nobody needs to hear this today, but we got it fixed. So I thank our production team. Look, our, our production team came through. Uh, we had lost live feed right in the middle of, of worship, and, and they got it up and running. So I thank our production team. Look, if you want to serve in a really important spot in this church, be on a production team. We cannot do this without them. We can't do the lights. We can't do the words on the screen. We can't do our live stream. And, and I'm telling you, if you just have a, a bit of interest in anything like that, like let, let, let us help you uh, work out your plan that God has in your life. Let us help you serve in a spot that's going to be powerful because God put you there. Um, but we need all that stuff, but they are doing a phenomenal job, so I thank them. But anyway, two weeks ago, uh, we were talking about being a peacemaker. We said, we were in the beatitude that said, blessed are the peacemakers, right? So a peacemaker means that uh, when we talked about that, it was you have to have peace in your heart to give peace. Amen. It's like you can't just walk around and, and be an angry person and expect to usher in peace wherever you go. So you had to have, it was a prerequisite to peace is having peace in your heart. So how did you get peace? You got perfect peace, right, was through faith. Faith, the faith that you had transferred God's righteousness to you. And through that, when you receive his righteousness, righteousness, you have perfect peace. And then when you're a peacemaker, the Bible says that you're considered a son or a daughter of God. Son or daughter of God. That's so powerful. So um, that's going to tie into our sermon today. That's why I had to bring that up because it's so important. You'll see how it ties in a little bit later this week. We are on the last beatitude. Come on, we made it. Come on. Look. But I'm not going to lie. You are not going to like me today. This is, this, if you're new to church, this is not a sermon you really wanted to come to see. This last beatitude can be a tough one for people to understand, to grasp, to say, hey, you know, this, this is what I get for walking with God. Yeah. And this one can be tough. So buckle up. I think we have seatbelts on a chair somewhere. That's just so you can't leave halfway through. We just want to pray over you. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's good, guys. So I'm excited about this. We made it, and uh, hopefully I can get through this today. Um, I have a bunch, but, um, but, but we're going to see. We're just going to hit it and, and hit it hard, and, let, and let's see what happens. Let's see how God wants to move. So here's Jesus. He's, he's teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, right? And he's teaching people to be totally different than the world. See, that's what made this whole thing weird is he's having this, this Sermon on the Mount, and he has his disciples come up, and he says, let me tell you about the kingdom. I want to tell you something that's, they call it the upside-down kingdom because it's nothing like the world. Nothing like the world. And people don't understand it. They're like, wow, you want me to believe in a God I can't see? Yep. Upside-down, right? Upside-down world. You, you want me to do things that don't make sense with the world? Yep, absolutely. I want you to come all in and do something completely different that doesn't look like anything you've seen. And when you do that, you'll be blessed. So, so this is a really, a really good one. I believe that, that what it is is when he starts unpacking what kingdom life looks like, man, he starts to unpack it. And I can see the disciples just going, man, this is so good. Like, this is so good. And they're going through all these beatitudes. And, and he's taking his time. And he's just going through it, right? And, and I believe as he goes through it, um, well, one thing I, I, I think where it kind of gets to a point is that um, Jesus doesn't sugarcoat anything. See, that's what I like about this, because I, I don't like to sugarcoat a lot of things. Um, but I think, unfortunately, in the world, in a church world now, what you have is you have churches that try to sugarcoat things, and they try to be secret sensitive about 
what they do and how they do it. If you don't do it a certain way, if you don't think about the people and say, well, how, how can we get them back? Let's make sure they have the best coffee and let's make sure they have, you know, the best parking spots because and, and that's what people are concerned with. So you have a lot of churches in the world that are like, no, we've got, we've got to just take care of everybody so that we get them back. <laughs> that's not how Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, I'm about ready to smack you in the face. And he says, there's going to be a sifting. And you're either going to be with me or without me. And he said, this is how it is. So that's how I'm coming at you today. Maybe that's why I like the Beatitudes so much. Come on, it's so good. Um, it's so good. So, you know, I, I, I love it. Uh, you know, because Jesus didn't even say, hey, guys, I'm only going to preach 20 minutes today so that you can receive it all. Um, and then I'll be back next week. And I'll give you 20 more minutes. He was like, no, we're going to sit up here. And I'm going to give you everything on my heart. And you're going to receive it. And you're going to accept it. And you're going to make a choice. Uh, and then based on that choice, you, you might be blessed. You might not. I mean, it's just a, it's a straightforward sermon. And I love it. So uh, with that, I'm going to dive in. This is, I'm going to read through the entire uh, Beatitudes because it makes so much sense when you see this. And he says, blessed. This is right out of, you know, we get in the, in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, right, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what I like about this, when I read this in my Bible, I stop right there. I'm going to keep going, but I stop because then I see a separate set of quotes. And I'm like, whoo, what's that separate set of quotes mean? It means that he had them right up to that point. And when he said, blessed are those who are persecuted... They started looking around and puzzled, like, what are you talking about? Like, everything else is a blessing. Everything else is really good. Everything is making me a better person. And now he said, blessed are those who are persecuted. So I think Jesus just kind of sits for a second. He goes, hang on, let me, let me explain that a little bit more. He said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He had to restate that. He had to let them know because I think he lost some people right there. And they said, what is this walk? Like, we want this walk. I want this walk with God. And everything was looking really good right up until that point. Right up until you said it was going to cost me something. Mm. So when I think about this, I start thinking about our world. I start thinking about how much our world wants the blessings. Um, they want the miracles. Um, they want the Holy Spirit to show up. But, man, they really don't want to go through the pain it takes to have it sometimes. They don't. And it, it keeps people from coming to church. It keeps people from doing what God wants them to do because they don't understand that. But here's what I love. When I, when I, when I was looking this up, I, I noticed that in, in the world today, Christianity, it grows faster under pressure. It grows faster under pressure so in other words um when it gets power it kind of dies off i'm gonna i want you to think about our society i want you to think about um what we have in the in america how we deal with christianity and how it's dealt with throughout the world 
totally different. Totally different. The gospel is spreading in places where people are being persecuted the most. You know, the number one place in the world where the gospel is spread is actually in Iran. They have a growth rate throughout the year of 19.6% growth in Christianity throughout the year. In Iran, second best, Afghanistan, 16.7% growth in Afghanistan, Christianity. They're being persecuted. You want to know where the U.S. is? It's not even on the big list. It's all the way at the bottom on the bottom list. You know, the U.S. grows at 0.08% a year, not even 1% growth in Christianity. Not even 1%. So it's where they're being persecuted. It's where the pressure's coming on them that they're realizing how much they need him, how much they need to be part of his family, how much they need to be part of the kingdom. It's when they're being persecuted. And when you look at the countries that are being persecuted the most, number two in the world, Afghanistan. (laughs) Iran comes in at number nine. I can't remember, brother. But think about it. When the world comes crashing down around you, your faith goes up. You have no choice. It's where the persecution is so bad. And when I talk about persecution, I'm talking about people being killed, imprisoned, put in slavery, raped, beat. That's persecution. And in the countries where that's happening, it's growing the fastest. So what's our problem? What's our problem? I'll tell you, it's a, and it's just not that kind of persecution. You know, we have persecution in the United States. We do. Um, it doesn't look like that, but to us, it's persecution. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember back in 2012, uh, my kids went to Marbury High School. And in 2012, as a, uh, for the cheerleaders, you know, that for, for football, through a run-through, they always have these big run-throughs that the football players run through. That's why they call it run-through. I love people when they make things simple for me. It's a run-through. And they put all kinds of stuff on them. And for one of their football games in 2012, they put, um, they, they put on there a scripture. They said, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And because somebody saw it, they contacted a company called Freedom From Religion, an organization up north. That organization called the government down here, called the school board, and said, you can't do that. You cannot have kids go to a public school and run through a banner that says, we can do all things through Christ. So the school board said, you can't do it. Persecution. You can't do it. Different level of persecution. But what happened? See, my kids went to this school. You know, the first thing that happens when persecution comes, what did I just say? Your faith goes up. You know what happened the next week? Marbury High School is on Highway 31. All the parents, all the teachers, all the kids, they all got shirts that said, we can do all things through Christ. And they lined Highway 31 and says, you can mess with our school, but you can't mess with us. Right? And because of that, then there was a a battle in the government and they said, okay, you can do it. But even before that happened, we had to have a football game where you couldn't. So what did we do? All the fans on the Marbury side, we all bought T-shirts that said, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We said, you can take the run-through down, but you can't take his word from us. But that's how persecution works sometimes. People forget. You know, 
And the enemy forgets because he'll come at you in every way. Not think, He's thinking you're going to back down, you're going to stop. But it's been proven with all the statistics everywhere that when persecution comes, Christianity goes on a rise. People want to know who he is. They want to draw closer to him. So that's what drew people out here. Just kind of lights a fire under us. So I want to go back then to our scripture verse for today. I'm going to read it out of two, just, just the Matthew 5, 10 through 12. I'm going to read it out of the NIV, but I'm also going to read it out of the Passion. I love the Passion, but I'm going to be preaching out of both of those, and I want you to be confused. I'm not going to a different verse. I'm just going to a different um, translation of it. But here we go, out of Matthew 5, 10 through 12. It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I want you to hear it out of the passion because it kind of opens up a little bit. Out of the passion, it says, How enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what is right. For that is when you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy since your heavenly reward is great for you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. Man, how enriched you are. You know what I love about this beatitude right off the bat though? It's a double blessing beatitude. All the other Beatitudes have one blessing. This has two. It says, blessed you are, right? Blessed are you when you're persecuted because of righteousness. But then again, it goes back in and says, but blessed you are when people insult you because of me. And it says there's a reward in heaven. So it says you're going to be blessed when, when you accept me. You're going to be blessed when you, when you want to get right with me. And then you're going to be blessed in heaven. So it's a double portion, right? Come on, I want a double portion. I like double things. I like double cheeseburgers. I like double stuffed Oreos. <laughs> Come on, y'all. I'm getting hungry. I want like a double Krispy Kreme. But it's a double, a double portion. So I want to go back and I want to talk a little bit about how enriched you are when you bear the wounds. How enriched you are when you bear the wounds of the persecuted, of being persecuted. Enriched means to improve the quality of something by adding something. That, that's what enrichment means. Enrichment means you improve the quality of something by adding something to it. So, so what you're saying is that you're improving my quality. You're making me a better person, a better, better quality person when you add persecution to my life. It says you're going to be enriched when you get persecuted. So that means I become better. I become stronger. So I become better and stronger when I'm rejected, when I'm ridiculed, when I'm mocked. Persecution comes out of the word pursue, which means harassed. I'm better for that when I'm doing it for God. When you're doing it for what's right. When I think about this, I think I've told a story before about my first big fight I was ever in. And I remember this because I was trying to do good. Right? I, was, I was a great kid. I really was. On the wrong side sometimes of the track, but I was a good kid. And I remember our, in our town, we had a small town, and we had a town pool. And I wasn't a real big kid. I was a pretty skinny kid with a really big head. Just the way it was. And, and I remember being at the pool, and I'm outside the fence, and there were some girls that were in my grade, 
and this guy that was older than them was picking on them, picking on them, and I couldn't stand it. So I was standing outside the fence, and I said, hey, man, if you're going to pick on somebody, come on outside and pick on me. He did. <laughs> and he won. <laughs> he won. It wasn't a good, I, I really didn't think it through. I thought, you know, I'm going to do something right. In my heart, I knew he was doing something bad. And I said, for the, for the good of the people, man, I'm going to stand up. I really didn't think he was going to come outside. Because I think it was like a dollar twenty-five to get in. And back then, man, you know, like he is not going to pay twice. <laughs> no. He came out. He, he got the best of me that day. But here's what I thought afterwards. I was like, all right, Lord. Because at that point, <laughs> when, when you get beat down for the first time, you're like, you look around and your friends aren't standing around you. There's nobody there helping you, and you're like, well, the only one I can cry out to is him, right? He's the only one, and, and I might not have been saying the greatest words when I'm crying out, but I thought, man, and when I look back at that, I think about, um, about persecution, and even though that I wasn't doing it for the Lord, I was trying to do something good. Because of that, I suffered. Now, I established a good relationship with those young ladies for the rest of the time um, that I knew them. But ultimately, I paid a price. I paid, I paid the price. And, and I don't think it even helped. Like sometimes you get beat up and you at least give a good showing, and then people will leave you alone. It didn't work that way. Like, exactly opposite. They're like, hey, just mess with him. It would be good. But that's okay because we made it through it. But I'm telling you, when God shows up, he comforts you. Uh, that's what he does when he shows up. So when you cry out to him during persecution, he shows up. And he comforts you and he puts his arms around you and he loves on you. And you realize it takes your mind off what just happened and puts it on him. And that's the cool part. So that's what he's saying here. He's saying, look, you know, you might be persecuted, but when you're being persecuted, you need to find me. I'll be right there. I'm going to walk you through it. Verse 11 says how ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So how blessed, how happy, how joyful are those who are persecuted or ridiculed, mocked, lied about because of walking right with God, for loving him. See, that's the second part. He comes back and says, no, it, it's this. And here's the thing. We, we're gonna, we're, we are supposed to live as Christians in such a way that the only way people can persecute us is to lie about us. Because if they say the truth about us, there's nothing wrong with it. And that's what it's saying. It's saying, hey, look, here's the thing. They have to speak evil against the believer to persecute them. So they have to lie. Why? Because we're walking with him. We're walking in righteousness. Right? We're seeking him with everything. So therefore, when you're persecuted, that's what it looks like. Don't confuse the meaning of of persecution. Right? Don't confuse it. Uh, They have to falsely accuse you. Falsely. So, in other words, if you, um, if you go to work all the time and you're a jerk to people <laughs> and they don't talk to you, they ridicule you and they pick on you, it's not persecution. They're picking on you because you're a jerk. Not for God's sake. You understand? A little different. Like, it has to be false accusations. It can't be something you're actually doing, right? You can't treat people bad and then have them treat you bad back and then say it's persecution. It doesn't work that way. You're just treating people bad. 
right? You can't be lazy at work, not help anybody, show up late, have a poor attitude, get fired and say, man, this being a Christian is so bad. I'm so persecuted. No, you're lazy, late for work, not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Has nothing to do with persecution. Has to do with who you are. So it has to be false. So don't get that confused. Don't get confused on what persecution is. So persecution is really when you're a good person doing good things for God and they still treat you that way. And you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it comes with with a verbal abuse. Sometimes it's physical abuse. Depends on where you're at. But you know how it is. Just when people know who you are, they're going to take those jabs. They're going to tell those jokes. They're going to do anything to put a little thorn in your side to see if you're going to buck, to see if you're going to say something you're not supposed to say. They're going to try anything they can just to see how you handle it because they don't care. But they're trying to cause you to stumble. Hmm. And what I love about that is even during the persecution, what you see in the Bible throughout the Bible and what we should be doing is when that time comes, one, the Bible says it's going to come, so expect it. But two, when it does come, seek him. Seek him with all of your heart. I look at Stephen, the story of Stephen in, in the Bible. When you go in the Bible and read about Stephen, um, Stephen is being stoned and killed for who he is, who he is in Christ. All right, so in Acts 7, if you have your Bibles, um, Acts 7, 44 through 60, this story just really shows about how you seek God when there's persecution. So here you have Stephen, he's talking to the Sanhedrin, and what he's telling them is pretty much the entire law. He's, he's a wealth of knowledge. He, he understands the Torah. He understands everything. Um, he understands what the word says. And when they try to persecute him, he just starts telling them everything. He says, this is exactly what happened. He just starts quoting it verbatim, and he goes through it. And then we'll pick up in, in Acts seven forty four. It says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and were yelling at the top of their voices. They were all rushed. They all rushed to him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. He fell asleep. Stones back then weren't these little pebbles they throw at you. They were two-handed rocks, and they stoned him to death for his beliefs. For his beliefs. What I love about it, they said when he was doing it, his eyes were open to heaven and he saw heaven. He saw glory. He saw, he saw Jesus on the right hand, standing up for him. Because of that, he wasn't seeing anything happening to him. See, that's what it's portraying is the fact that when everything's happening around you, when your circumstances are going around you, when you're looking up at him, you don't have to worry about the stuff around you because he's feeding you with the peace, with the comfort, with the love. You don't have to look at your circumstances. And because of that, he didn't feel it. And it actually at the end, it says he fell asleep. You can't say that in any more peaceful way. 
he fell asleep. That just sounds nice. He just fell asleep. Didn't say he was killed. Didn't say he was crushed. He fell asleep. It was a peaceful transition because his eyes were on the Lord. And that's it. So it's when you give it all to God that you're persecuted. That's an example of persecution in the Bible. That's still an example of persecution overseas in some areas. That, that when you seek after God like that, they will come at you with everything. But here's the problem. When, when you give your life to Christ, and this is what everybody needs to understand. When you give your life to Christ, you move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And guess what? Darkness can't stand up when light comes in. So guess what? When you become, right, a child of God, <laughs> you have a bullseye on your back. Because the enemy's coming at you. He's going to try to find a way to derail you. He's going to try to find a way to get you to, to not continue to do what you're doing. He wants to take you down. See, two weeks ago, we had nine people get baptized. And we do a baptism class before people get baptized. I don't talk about that. <laughs> Not that I don't want to, but here's the thing. I want them to know afterwards that, look, you need to understand that you think life's going to be easy now. <laughs> it's not. Welcome to the kingdom. You now have a target on your back because you made a choice. You made a choice to follow him, and the enemy doesn't like that because you're in his world. He says, no, 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 no. So he starts coming at you. So a lot of people will come to me, you know, after they get saved, after, you know, they, they get baptized and they're like, man, it's rough. It is rough. But it's okay because you've got people that love you. You have a Lord that loves you and we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. That's what it's about. So, so people, you know, two weeks ago, you know, they need to understand that when things don't start happening right in your life, hey, you know, sometimes it's our own actions, but if we're doing everything right, sometimes it's just the enemy trying to stir you up, trying to get you to quit, trying to get you to walk away from God, what God wants you to do in your life. But we have authority over that. We've talked about that. You have complete authority over the enemy. He's a footstool. You can tell him which way to go, where to go. It doesn't matter. But you have to have that, that, that faith to do that. See, and the people around you, they're not going to like it either. So when you go tell your friends and your family what just happened to you and how excited you are about it, they're going to mock you and ridicule you. They're going to be jealous because they're going to see something inside of you. And they're going to be like, I want that. And they're not going to understand it. When you tell them what it is, they're not going to believe it. So guess what? Persecution. And that's what I tell people. Uh, it's, it's tough when you have to walk through that. And when I even look at the last two weeks, we talked about being a peacemaker. Well, guess what? When you're a peacemaker, what are you called? Son or daughter, children of God. Once you're a child of God, bullseye on your back. So, like I said, if you're coming to church for the first time, I'm not trying to scare you away. I'm just giving you the truth. <laughs> this is what it's like. This is what it's like. So, persecution is a result of peacemaking. So when you try to keep the peace, not, I'm sorry, we don't keep the peace around here. As we try to make peace, the enemy is going to come in at a whole different level because he doesn't like it. He doesn't want peace. You know, so persecution shouldn't surprise any of us, right? Have you read the Bible? <laughs> it's all throughout the Bible. It will come. 
The Bible says persecution will come. In fact, if you actually look at the Bible and you start reading the New Testament, you figure half of the New Testament was written by Paul. There's like, well, some say four, some say probably six or, or seven that were written. They're called the prison epistles, so they were written in prison. He wasn't in jail because he, like, committed a crime like DUI or something. He was there because he was a believer. He was a believer, and they locked him up for being a believer. So he was hated, he was feared, and they locked him up because of it. So you shouldn't be surprised when you hear about persecution, but here we are in a country in the United States of America where nowadays Christians are melting down because of all the stuff going on. Christians are frustrated because, man, they took God out of the school, they took God out of this, they took God out of that. And they're acting like they're surprised. They're acting like this was something that should never happen. No. It's going to happen. And it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It surprises us because we've probably spent 200 years in the United States where Christianity was accepted. Think about it. I can go back to my childhood. Um, I can go back to my parents' childhood, and if you look at life back then in the, you know, 50s and 60s, my parents' childhood, not my, you know, I, I grew up in the 90s. <laughs> so I can look all the way back, though, and I can look at childhood, and I can look at how God was in a whole lot more things in our life. He was in our schools. He was in our government. Um, you, you couldn't get away from him. He was in our work. He was on the radio. He was on the TV. Movies alone, watching movies. Guess what? He was in the movies. So we got so accustomed to being in a world where it was accepted that we don't know how to act when it's not. What I like to say is that we were in a Christian world era in the United States, but now we're in a post-Christian era. Now we're in a time when, guess what? The enemy has taken over. The enemy has found his way into our government, has found our way into our schools, has removed everything uh, that, that, was, that God was put into. They have started taking it out. They started taking it out. So we're caught in that. We're caught in this uh, on the fence going, well, now what do we do? And a lot of Christians, that shocked them. They're not used to what Christianity is in other countries, only what it's been in the United States. And the problem with that, here's the problem with that. There's a lot of people that grew up when Christianity was out there, and here's the problem with it, is that they went to church every Sunday. They went to school, and there was a prayer in school, right? They, they would go to a sporting event, and there was a prayer in a sporting event. And because of that, they had a false sense of hope because they didn't have to pursue him anymore. So what happened, there's a lot of people that thought they were going to heaven that didn't go to heaven because it was just normal. They would just walk around and they heard it. So they assumed, well, they don't even know what they're saying. They never read the word. They never had a relationship with them. They just walked in a community where he was talked about. That's the problem with that. And if you go through the Bible, you'll see where people even dealt with that, where people thought, you know, it's all throughout the Bible. Come on, you can look at the Pharisees, people who thought that they were it, like they're going to heaven. This is it. They are the best. They know everything about it, but they didn't have a relationship. Therefore, they weren't there in the end. 
That's the problem. That's why when, when there's no persecution, people get lazy. People get comfortable. They don't seek God the way they should seek God. So now that there's trouble in the world and everything's changing, people don't know what to do. And there's a lot of people right now that thought they were Christians and they're finding themselves in bad spots because they don't know where their faith comes from. They're starting to follow the world. They actually lose their faith. They start following the world. They start listening to the world. They respond to crisis in the world the way the world wants them to respond, by arguing, by fussing about everything. That's what you're seeing right now. You're seeing people that are walking away from churches and going right into the mix of the world because they had a false sense of, of, of who they were with Christ. They were false Christians. Look, you got people out there that are rioting and destroying everything. Look, I'm all about, look, you got to understand this. I believe in justice. I believe in protests. I think that is phenomenal that we have that, and I believe in justice. But I also do not believe that you're supposed to go around and riot and destroy things. It's not supposed to happen. What? The enemy comes to do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. That's what the enemy does. So what happens is you have a bunch of people that grew up in this, oh, I'm a Christian society because it's easy and I don't know anything different. I've never been persecuted. And when times go bad, they jump on the boat with everybody else doing what the world's doing and they find themselves in a position they can't get out of. And they don't know who's going to get them out of it. And they're stuck. See, we need healing, not destruction. We need healing in our hearts. See, God says that's not the way we're supposed to do it. He said, that's not my intention. That's not what we're supposed to do. We need justice. We, we, need, we need to deal with all the, the racial wars and reconciliation. We need to take care of that. That's important. But we can't have rioting and destruction in our world. It's not of God. It's not of God. What happens is people are listening to the wrong thing or listening to their emotions instead of their spirit. And if you listen to your emotions, it'll have you do things that you don't like. I'm telling you, if I listen to my emotions every day, it would be hard to walk up here sometimes. Because I could probably, you know, there's some people that get you mad. And I pray for them all the time. <laughs> but I'm telling you, we can't operate out of emotions. We operate out of the Spirit. We let the Holy Spirit move in us. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this? You surrender to Him. And I'm telling you, it just, it's proof that these are people that used to go to church, but the church that they experienced, the church that they went to, the, the amount of times they went, the amount of times they weren't even, they didn't even have to be in church. The fact that, that they probably didn't read this and they're not connected to, to, to who God is, they don't have a relationship with them. So what happens is that when everything breaks out in the world, they don't know what to do. And they're stuck. And they're stuck. So now we live in this post-Christian society. And what you see is remnants of Christians all over the place, of people that, that, that have grown in relationship and, and have the faith. That's why we're growing at such a low rate. <laughs> it, you can even go back to, um, I'm not going to forget it. 
You can go back and see how just 10 years ago, church was totally different. How big can we make a church? How much stuff can we put in a church to make people go, oh, I want to go to church because it's fun. I want to go to church because it's entertaining. It was completely different. And how many churches have you seen fall because of that? It's about a relationship. It doesn't matter what they do up here. You know what? I love our worship team. If we came in and, and sat here and didn't have any music and just sang, guess what? But, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to do a gut punch. If you need worship music to worship God, something's wrong. You should be able to walk into a silent room and just worship God. But it helps when we worship. It's help. It helps when you have music ushering in the spirit. It's awesome. It's phenomenal. But I'm telling you what, you should be able to walk into an empty room with no sound and worship God for who he is. But now we've got, you know, all this. The, the, the world is in our government. So now the world talks about everything from, from same-sex marriage to abortion. Uh, it took God out of the government. It's got God out of our marriage altogether. You know, we live in Alabama, and I love Alabama. But I don't know if you picked up on, you know, Alabama was really big and heavy about same-sex marriage. But then they turned around, and you know what Alabama did? They, they said, guess what? You, you don't need a pastor to get married. So in Alabama, all you need is a notary. They took God out of marriage. They took God out of marriage. So anybody that's a notary, anybody that pays their $25 fee a year and submits their paperwork can marry you. But this is what's happening in government. That's why it's so important when I tell people you need to get out and vote. You need to, to seek somebody. I don't care whether they're Republican or Democrat. You find somebody that is kingdom-minded and we're going to be good. We should be focused on kingdom, not, not, not what, what side you're going to be on. I don't even know where I'm at. Give me a second. So basically what it gets down to is that you can't be a weekend Christian anymore. <laughs> Our world got so set up on a weekend Christian where I can go to church on Sunday and I'm good for the rest of the week. And right now there's a sifting going on, y'all. It's starting to get serious and God wants to know what side are you on? It's going to take more than a weekend Christian. It's going to take somebody who goes all in because persecution is going to come. You have to make the choice. You can't be on the fence. You're either for the kingdom or you're for the world. And you can't hop back and forth. It's one way or the other. Too many people put on a facade. And they don't let... God rule their heart, but they, they put God on and they wear them on the outside. And they think that if you see me at church, if you, if you see me uh, on Wednesday night, if you see me out there, then everything's good. But on the inside, they're still empty. They haven't let God in. And there's nobody that hates external Christianity more than Jesus. Matthew 23, 27 through 28. You guys getting this? You guys good? Not losing anybody? All right. 
Is the mic working? Because I feel like it's cutting in and out. All right. Because I'll grab a handheld if I need to. So Matthew 23, 27 through 28 says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. So what you see is this, this tomb, and on the inside is just bones. And what you have is a lot of people now that, that they're not going to seek God in their private place. They're not going to seek God uh, the way they should be seeking God. And they're only going to do it when they come to church so other people can see them. And these are the ones. These are the ones that are going to be shocked. They're, 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 they're going to be shocked when, when their time is up. And it relates to us in modern day society. I'm telling you, everything in the scripture relates. And the people nowadays, guess where they're being revealed? You know, back in the day, with the Pharisees, we used to go up and, and pray in front of everybody so they could see them. So where do you think these people are being revealed now? Social media. You have people that will come into a church and not our church. You'll have people that come into a church and they can come up here and worship on the stage and then turn around and go on social media and bash people. They're revealing themselves on social media. They look the part, but it's not in their heart. And that's a caution for us. It's a false sense of security. So here's the thing. Persecution's coming. We know that. So you're either on the team or you're not. There's too many people running around with a jersey on, supporting the team, but they're never in the game. They can't even get in the game if they want to because they're not trained right. That's like me wearing an Alabama jersey thinking I can walk up, walk on the field, and I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get leveled. I don't care what position I play. Be kicker, I wouldn't make it. Be water boy, I wouldn't make it. But here's the thing. That's what you're seeing. You're seeing people with the jersey on with no ability to get in the game. And guess what? They're armchair quarterbacks. They're going to sit back and criticize and condemn and talk about other people and talk about things on social media. So I guess what I'm really trying to say, if you're going to proclaim you're a Christian, you need to start acting like one. You need to start taking authority over what's going on in the world because we have the capability of that. Instead of feeding it, instead of throwing fire on it, guess what? Start speaking the word into it. Start claiming authority over everything that's happening. And guess what? We, we can speak it into existence. But that's the authority you need. You don't need to fight back with everybody else. you got to let the Holy Spirit move from inside of you and declare it and decree it over the world. But there's not enough people doing that. Hmm. Here's the thing. If you choose the world, you're rejecting God. Think about that. You might want to choose who you reject. If you choose the world, you reject God. You know what he told the disciples if, if they don't accept you in a town? Kick off the dust and move on. You tried. <laughs> you tried. I don't want somebody kicking off the dust at my doorstep. 
So what kind of persecution are you going through? That's my question. What kind of persecution are you going through as a Christian? Because I've talked to several families. I love um, Brother Bo. You know, he's, he's a missionary in Mexico, and he brings, I'll tell you, he, I think every week he's got more missionaries coming into his house that just know him, and they flow through. This week he's got uh, a, a, a young man named Jacob in his house and his family. Uh, two weeks ago he had uh, a man named Max and his family, and they're, they're in Afghanistan. And I got to hear the stories about what happens in Afghanistan. There's a man that took him and I think his six kids, I don't even know how many six kids, to Afghanistan and said, we're going to live in Afghanistan. His stories were phenomenal, the pictures he showed us. And you just can't go over there and say, hey, guys, we're Christians and we're here to preach the gospel. You can't. They'll kill you. So you have to find a way to include yourself in. And that's what they do. I had another buddy um, named Jack that, uh, that retired out of the military, right? Retires out of the military, takes him and his family to China. China. <laughs> takes his family there. Why? To preach the gospel. China is not the place you want to be preaching the gospel. They had to go undercover. They had to go in with something completely different. So it's out there. So, it, it, so the thing is, the persecution's out there. They're doing that for Christ. Christ put it on their heart. The Holy Spirit told them that's what you're supposed to do. That's not everybody's mission, trust me. When these missionaries come through, they tell me stuff, I feel horrible. I'm like, man, I, I think I handed a guy a sandwich uh, outside my car the other day. <laughs> I mean, these guys are out in, the, in the, the desert. Some of them are in the jungle, walking through the jungle. Brother Bo's like, oh, man, no, we just walk through the mountains, man. And we go find villages that they have, like, all kinds of stuff going on. And he's like, we just go in, take authority, and settle everything down, and we set up church. I'm thinking, wow, I'm not ready for that. Like, God didn't lay that one on my heart. I believe we got a mission here. I believe there's a mission in our city, a mission in our country, and I believe that's where I'm called. I want to go on missions. We're, as a church, we're going on missions. We're working on that. This whole COVID thing slowed us down with passports and stuff. But our goal as a church is we're going to be mission-oriented. We're going to be out doing what God wants us to do and spreading the gospel. Uh, that's who we are. That's who we're going to be. Um, but, yeah, I get convicted when these guys come share their story. Because I'm like, I'm not doing enough. <laughs> I'm like, that's powerful. Like, like, no fear. You know, one family was in Africa where voodoo, uh, it's voodooism, right? Voodoo, voodoo. Buddhism, I'm calling it a religion now. It's vo- voodoo is in all the villages. And they'd go in at night and put up movie screens that talks about how bad voodoo is <laughs> and how great Jesus is. And they said they realized it was echoing across all the deserts. And there, you can't be outside after 10 o'clock at night, especially if you're a female, because guess what they're going to do? They're going to sacrifice you. It's serious stuff. So when I hear about missionaries, I go, man, that's persecution to be able to walk into that stuff. But we have persecution in the United States. There's people, you you should be going through something. This shouldn't be an easy walk for you. In fact, as a Christian, your presence should promote persecution. When you walk into some place, your presence alone should promote persecution. People should see it all over you. And the enemy's going to see it all over you. He's going to be like, whoa, hang on. 
We didn't have anybody like that in here before. <laughs> and he's going to start coming at you and start, start putting stuff in other people to come at you different ways. That's how it should be when you're a Christian. Where you walk, just expect it. You should, you should be ushering in the peace, but also when you come, you're promoting persecution. I think about this. If you're not, if you're not promoting that, if you're not, that's not what's happening to you when you walk into places, then I'm going to ask you, what are you filled up with? What are you ushering into the situation? Are you ushering in peace or hate? Because the Bible said we should usher in peace, not hate. We shouldn't blend right in. I know a lot of people say I should blend into society. No, we weren't made to blend in. We're a light on a hill, y'all. Like, we were made to stand out. We were made to stand out. Kind of like, kind of like my boots. I like my boots. I wear my boots all the time. I got these boots. These are pretty rough right now. But I got these boots two years ago almost when my daughter was getting married. She said, Dad, I want you to get some new boots so that I can get married. I guess that was part of the deal. And when I first got them, I really didn't want to wear them. And actually, if you ever buy boots, they're not comfortable when you first get them. Like, you have to break them in. They're not comfortable, right? So, so I got the boots, and I wore them for the wedding. Then I was like, well, I can't wear them outside. I can only wear them for special occasions. And then I realized, like, boots were made for wear and tear. And the more wear and tear that happened to my boots, the more comfortable it was wearing them. So I started wearing them all the time. Like, yeah, I'll wear them at night, brother. That's it, man. I can almost put my finger through the bottom of the soles because they're that comfortable. My wife says, go buy some boots. My son said, Dad, I'll buy you some boots. No, it's not that I can't afford boots. These are worn in. These have been through it. They were made specifically as boots to go through it. They were made to deal with the dirt, the scratches, the scuffs. I mean, I think this has like ostrich or something. I don't even know what it is. But all I know is that they were made for that. And the more I used them for what they were supposed to be used for, the more comfortable I wa- they were, the easier it was to do it. And I think about that. When I, when I think about that, you can't leave them in your closet. You just can't put them there. They have purpose. They have purpose in this environment, and that is wear and tear. Well, you and I were made with purpose. And as a Christian, you were made with purpose. And with that purpose comes wear and tear. You are, not, you are not made, God doesn't have a purpose and plan for you to go put it on a shelf and say, I'm not supposed to say anything. I'm not supposed to do anything. I got to keep, keep myself looking good. He says, no, it's so much better when you get some wear and tear on you. It's going to be so much easier to walk in this, in this walk I have you, in this life I have you, and if you have some wear and tear on you. I built you. For purpose. In this environment we're in, it's not easy and it's going to cause wear and tear. The environment we're in, there should be wear and tear on you as a Christian. You shouldn't look like a brand new pair of boots. So if you're not receiving wear and tear, then whose plan are you walking out in life? Yours or God's? Think about it. His plan is not easy. It's going to cause some rough spots. In fact, if you, if you don't have any haters in your life, 
You might want to check yourself. I won't go any further with that one. See, the problem in life isn't persecution. That's not our problem as Christians. It's lack of persecution. Think about it. Just think about it for a second. It's not persecution. It's lack of persecution. If you're not being persecuted, who are you associated with? Who are you running with if you're not being persecuted? You in the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of the world? If you're not getting a little wear and tear on your life as a Christian, who are you connected to? Are you living a comfortable life? Are you saying, I'm just going to coast this one out? Everything should be fine. I'll let everybody else jump in and get dirty. Here's the problem with that. Because maybe you're ashamed of who God is and what he's done in your life. And the Bible says that that if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. And I don't want that. So here's my last. I'm going to get in. I'm going to try to wrap it up now. So if you're walking out what you're supposed to be walking out, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then the devil should know your name. The devil should know your name. I want to go to Acts 19, 13 through 16. Acts 19, 13 through 16. You can wait. I might go on a little further. I'm going to read out of the, the, the Passion. But it says, now there were seven itinerant Jewish exorcists, sons of Sceva, the high priest, who took it upon themselves to use the name and authority of Jesus over those who were demonized. They would say, we cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And one day when they said those words, the demon in a man replied, I know about Jesus and I recognize Paul, but who do you think you are? Then the demonized man jumped on them and threw them to the ground, beating them mercilessly. He overpowered the seven exorcists until they all ran out of the house naked and badly bruised. He said, who are you? I don't know about you. See, there are people's names in hell, and hell knows them, right? Because of everything they're doing for the kingdom. And because of that, He's doing everything he can to take them down. But there's people whose names hell doesn't know. And he's not worried about you because you're not doing nothing for the kingdom. Think about that. The devil doesn't know your name. He's not concerned about you. So your goal in life shouldn't be, I don't want any persecution. I don't, I don't want the enemy to bother me. Everything should be perfect and, 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 and just great. No, the devil should know your name. If he doesn't, well, you're probably not using your gifts. Pretty sure Pastor Daisy talked about that last week. <laughs> Said you're probably not using the gifts that he's given you. And I'm not saying, look, don't take this the wrong way. We can enjoy life. Like, trust me, there is an abundance of joy in everything we do. 
and we should be walking in joy. It's supposed to be fun. Life is not supposed to be miserable. <laughs> but we should be feeling a little bit of tension. And if the enemy's not messing with you, he doesn't know you. So you're, you're a mute point to him. You're not worth his time. So if you're not making enough impact in this world for the devil to know you and know who you are, then who are you representing? Who are you following? So yeah, my big vision today, if you want to write this down, <laughs> is that hell will know your name. Like this week, you're going to make a shift. You're going to make a change. And everywhere you walk, the enemy's going to be like, oh no, I know you. And I can't deal with that. You shouldn't be able to walk into places that are disruptive and the enemy go, I don't even know you. I'm not worried about you. No big deal. Send me the big guns. You are the big gun. God created you to go out and do something powerful for the kingdom. We got to remember that and start walking in that. So if there's no target on your back, chances are you're probably ineffective for the kingdom. I'll tell you a little bit about coming into ministry because this was probably the hardest thing for us to do as a family. Because when you get out of the world and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you and go into ministry. Oh, he doesn't like that. And he comes at you at every angle. He comes at your family, your wife, your kids, your finances. He comes every way to stop you from doing what God wants you to do. Now, it's been the most peaceful time of my life. Imagine that. I've been at the most spiritual warfare, but I've been at such peace. Because when you're walking in God's calling, when you're walking in what God wants you to do, the enemy can't mess with you. He can, he can try. He can take away all the worldly things. You, you can take away my riches. That's okay. My riches are in heaven. I really don't care. You can take all the people away from me, everybody that, 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 that I've ever been in relationship with. Take them all away, because guess what? I've got somebody who said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. Amen. I said, man, that, enemy, you can take it all. I don't need any of it. Don't need any of it. Hmm. So how many people have left you because of your faith? That's a big question. Big question, because... You know, we got into ministry, but I had to turn my life over to Jesus at a point in my life where, man, I had a lot of friends. Um, I was doing a lot of worldly things. And when I gave my heart to Christ, <laughs> people scatter. The people that call you friend, they're no longer your friend. The ones that, that knew you had an issue, say, even with alcohol, and, and now you're a Christian, guess what? They don't even stop, like, like trying to get you to drink. I'm like, hey, bro, like I don't do that no more. Oh, here you go. We just wanted to bless you anyway. Really? Your family doesn't talk to you? <laughs> My family was like, uh, we don't like you like this. You're no fun anymore. You used to be the life of the party. All right. <laughs> Whatever. All right, Lord, direct me, guide me. You know, it's funny, though, is the same family that wouldn't talk to me or the same family that moved down here and every once in a while come to our church. So I guess it didn't work. 
But everybody that was around me that was of the world left me. And honestly, the way my life was, talk about being alone, I'm a people person. Okay, I love people. I love hugs. I like people liking me. I like people, you know, to, to, to know who I I just like people. So when this happened and everybody stepped away from me, and the only thing we had left, I had my wife, my kids, and our church. And we were brand new to a church, so we didn't know anybody. It was probably one of the darkest times of my life. Because the enemy was trying to stop. Trying to stop me. I was depressed. Dealt with suicidal thoughts. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know enough about the Bible. I didn't know enough about anything in my life to get me through it. I just said, well, Lord, only you. And guess what? Through persecution and trials, he said, I got a plan. Just stick with it. It's tough. It's not fun. It's not going to be easy, but stick with it. And I'm telling you, I've got a plan and purpose in your life. And he's blessed us. And like I said, it's been a walk, but it's been powerful it's been tough but it's been peaceful you know john 15 this is what comes to me when i when i hear this john 15 18 through 19 says just remember when the unbelieving world hates you they first hated me if you were to give your allegiance to the world they would love and welcome you as one of their own but because you won't align yourself with the values of this world they will hate you i have chosen you and taken you out of the world to be mine Come on. Knowing that it doesn't matter what anybody in the world thinks that I was picked. God picked me to be on his team. He plucked me out of the world and said, you are mine. I picked you specifically. Nothing else matters when you know that. Nothing else matters because guess what? He's the leader of the team. Like, you can't lose. (laughs) And I like to win. (laughs) So when he grabs you on his team, it's a good thing. Right? You just submit to that. Oh. See, here's the thing. Here's what I realized through that whole process. I love, I love people. I love recognition. But here's what I learned. The, the mark of a disciple is not in recognition. It's in rejection. How many people are rejecting you because of who you are? We love recognition, though. Everybody loves it. Everybody likes to get on social media and post something just to see how many people like it and love it and comment on it. That's the whole purpose of social media is to make you have a false sense of security that people are actually there backing you in everything you do. So the only ones actually commenting are the ones that have the same thought as you. Think about that one for a second. Here's the thing. Without rejection, how will you truly know if you're a Christian or not? Because without rejection, you don't need to seek him for anything. Without rejection. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm all over the place now. You guys still good? I didn't lose you yet? <laughs> all right. So I'm going to give you a couple takeaway points because I, I want to do that. Um, so here's the thing. If you have to face persecution, then how do you actually respond to that? How do you respond to persecution when you're dealing with it, because that's important. Knowing that it's going to come is one thing, but how do I respond to it? Well, the Bible says we respond with joy. And the last part of that verse, it says, so leap for joy since your heavenly reward is great. 
for you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. Leap with joy. Be joyful when you're persecuted. Because where? Your reward's where? In heaven. Now, I don't, don't, like, don't take that the wrong way. I think there, there are rewards on earth. And I think you can be blessed on earth. And I think God wants you to be blessed on earth. But I know for sure that there's rewards in heaven. I might not get my reward on earth. But I'm for sure that I'm going to get it in heaven. You know, I think a good example of that, I'm not going to read it, but Acts 16, Paul and Silas, they're, they're in prison, right? They're, getting, they're, they're locked up in prison. And what are they doing? Praying and singing hymns. They're rejoicing in prison. And what happens because of that? They get out. Right? So they found themselves in the worst part of their life, locked up in prison, and they're rejoicing. Because of that, they're freed. So here's the thing you got to remember is that their circumstance didn't define their praise. And your circumstance shouldn't define your praise. You need to praise through it. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever persecution is happening in your life, you praise through it. See, we don't only pray, we just don't praise when everything is going good. We praise when things are going bad. We praise when we're dealing with it. We're, pray, we're praising during loss. We got to praise through the persecution. Hmm. So three things when you're under attack. First one, when you're under attack, recognize the source of the pressure. The source of a pressure is not a person. It's the enemy. It's Satan. It's the devil. It's not a person. And you can't fight a spiritual battle with worldly attitude. You fight a spiritual battle in the spirit. So remember your authority in the spirit. You have the authority. So remember who you're battling. You know, it's 2 Timothy says this in 2 Timothy um, 2, 23 through 26. Um, it says, don't... Don't have anything to do with the foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them into the knowledge of the truth. And that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So the people that you see doing things and persecuting you and the people that are your biggest thorn in your side, the battle's not against them. It's against the enemy that has taken them captive and is using them. So therefore, you don't have to battle back, right? You don't have to come back the same way. You give it to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and command authority over what's going on. And guess what? The devil has to flee. He can't stay around. Come on, it's a spiritual warfare. But here's the thing, without the Holy Spirit, you don't have the defense you need. Second thing, refuse to retaliate. This is, this is the tough one. Because when someone punches you, you want to punch back. When someone says something, you want to say something back. And don't lie. Don't lie. You want to. You really want to. Romans 12, 17 through 21 says, Do not 
Repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So you don't have to come back at anybody, right? You don't strike back when someone comes at you. If it's on social media, guess what? Unfollow them. Unfriend them. Why are you even listening to it in the first place? And if it's that big of a problem, get rid of it. That's why when we did the fast, I was like, if you have to do a social media fast, do a social media fast. You might realize you don't need social media in your life. Here's the thing. You don't need to write a blog or go live on Facebook to tear people down. You don't. God says that's not how you handle it. He says you give it to me. So that's why you don't have to respond to any of that stuff. So where's your outlet? When someone makes you mad, where do you post your, your stuff? Are you posting it in heaven and giving it to God? Or are you going on the nearest way you can get your word out there? Because really what you're looking for is recognition, not rejection. Mm. Unfortunately, we live in a world of retaliation. It's just how it is. But here's the thing. God's more interested in your character than your comfort. God is more interested in your character than your comfort. He's not as interested if you're getting persecuted and someone saying stuff about you. He cares about your character. Who are you inside? Are you representing me? Because I made you. I have a plan and purpose in, in your life. He'd rather you hang on to the character and give up the comfort. The third one, respond with a blessing. The Bible says, really, return good for evil. Romans 12, 20 through 21 says, on the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will, you will heap burning coals on his head. That means his heart will be moved and, and shame will be exposed. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Look, you don't make the world a better place by blowing out everybody else's candles. Light your own candle. Let it burn bright. You're a light on a hill. Bless them. Pray for them. Be good to them. And here's the problem. When you do that, they're going to be in shock because that's not what the world does. They won't know how to respond. They'll be stuck. They'll be like, now what do I do? <laughs> Said all this bad stuff about you and you blessed me. What can I say bad now? This person's horrible. They blessed me. <laughs> good luck. So when the world strikes back, God says, respond with joy. God says, love your enemies. So don't let your circumstance determine your praise. Worship through it. Respond with joy. Remember, there's a reward in heaven. Your reward's not a destiny church. Could be, but probably not. It's in heaven. Could be here. We've got a lot of blessings in this house, y'all. Come on. I'm telling you, God is doing a big thing in us. So maybe your blessing is here. But I know it's in heaven. I know it's in heaven. And I'm not downplaying all the struggles. The struggle's real. Pain's real. 
Persecution is real. That is real. And it feels real. But we got to at some point learn that we can't hold on to that stuff and we've got to surrender that to him. We've got to give it to him and get that burden off your back. That's not for you. He didn't, he didn't make you to carry it. And always remember, it's not where you're at, it's always where you're going. And here's the thing, there's a process to everything, and this is where it kind of ties in, and this is where people don't understand. That's the whole point of this, is to understand there's a process. You can come out, I'll finish up. Because I'll share this, you know, when I was in the military, um, to get promoted, you had to take a test, a pretty big test. You get to take the test once a year. And my wife will tell you, when it came time for me to take a test, I would take three months, pretty much eight hours a day, and I would study. And I got promoted very quickly. Okay, I did everything the Air Force said. They said, do all this and you'll get awards and you'll get recognized and you'll get everything. So I did everything I was supposed to do. And I got promoted very fast. And every time I got promoted, I faced persecution. People said, you're too young. You're not good enough. How come it's always you? I went through the process. I, I had to go through a process to get there. I just didn't wake up and God blessed me. I put in the work. I put in the time. I put in the effort. That's what it took. It took a process to get where I wanted to go. It got to the point in my life where, where I even treated other people that way. I was the kind of guy you probably wouldn't like. I don't know. But if I had to give an award out every month, that same guy would get the award until someone did better. They're like, you're giving that guy the award again. Yep, no one's beat him yet. I'm not going to give somebody something they don't deserve. They're going to earn it. There's a process. Here's the thing. When you get to heaven, to get to heaven, you know, there's a process. But that one's pretty easy, right? This is, this is having a relationship with God and surrendering to him. And it's pretty fair. Like, if you believe in him and believe in your heart, then you're going to heaven. What's not fair are the rewards in heaven. They're fair, but there's a process. God said, I gave you things. What are you doing with it? Because there's going to be some people that get into heaven and they're going to see people being rewarded and going, where's mine? And God's going to say, I gave you everything you needed, but you skipped the process. You didn't want the persecution, so you didn't go through it. But you're here which I'm sure will be wonderful, but I want everything he promised me in heaven. I want everything he's planned for me in heaven. But to do that, we have to go through the process. We can't sit around and complain about why other people have what they have or they get to do what they get to do or that church is being blessed or that church isn't. And uh, Guess what? Follow through with the process. Do what God wants you to do. And in that process is persecution. And you're going to have to deal with it. Don't try to skip out on that. Because that's a promise from God. He says, I need you to go through it. I need you to remember who you are and who you are. And it comes through that. Hmm. So here's the thing. Persecution is part of the promise. That's the cool part. He says, it's part of the promise, it's part of the process, and you need to go through it. Don't skip out on it. So blessed are those who are persecuted 
because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. You guys get something out of this today? Come on. I know it was long, but I had a lot of stuff, and I wanted to get it out there because I think we've been in this for about six years. <laughs> and I knew, I knew God laid it on my heart. I said, babe, I got to get this out. And she said, make it into two weeks. And I said, I can't. I can't because that'll be even more. So here's the thing. I, I want to pray with people before we get ready to leave. Um, I know there's people watching online. I know there's people in this room, and you're on the fence. You're on the fence. I think you're struggling with what side to go with. And God says you're either for me or against me. So I want to pray with you today. I want to pray that God moves in your heart today and shows you who you are in him. Shows you a plan and a purpose in your life. I believe there's people online with that too. So so I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to pray that we all start acting like believers. We all start turning up what God wants us to do in this world. I'm going to pray that we use our spiritual authority the way we're supposed to use it. How God's determined it. And we walk around with a little chip on our shoulder about who we are and what the enemy can't do to us. So, Father, you see him out there, Lord. Come hold me. Father, you see the hearts, you see the minds in this room, Lord. Father, you know what they're dealing with. You know... Father, you know where you need to touch each and every person right now. So, Father, I ask you to get them off the fence, Lord. Father, come on, let's build the kingdom, Lord. I ask you to speak to them in a powerful way. Show them their gift. Show them, Lord, their purpose in life. Lord, I ask you to give them the ability to to act like a believer, God, the power, the courage, the strength to stand up against persecution, Lord. The courage to receive it, God, and to stand for you. Father, I pray right now that we get in the game. Lord, I lift up this this church. I lift up this city, this state, Lord, this this country to you, God, everything that's going on, Lord. Father, we just declare peace over this entire place. Father, we, 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 we declare reconciliation through the entire land. Father, we we just pray right now you show up in a mighty way, Lord. We declare it over the land, God. There will be healing. There will be freedom. Lord, right now we loose that peace on earth. We loose your love on earth. We loose your comfort on earth, Father God. We surrender it all to you, Lord. Father, those that are dealing right now, the ones that that are being persecuted right now, Father God, I ask that you give them them that courage to just stay strong, hold the line. And we bind up the spirit of depression, the spirit of suicide, Father God. We bind that up in your name. It is not allowed to play in our hearts or our minds. Lord, we just need more of you, God. Come holy. We give you all the authority, Father God, in our lives. We surrender it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. God's good. I believe there's some people online. There might be people in this room, and you've been dealing with it. You've been dealing with it. You've been dealing with it. You don't know your way out, and I'm telling you that you need to submit to him. 
and you don't know what that's like. You don't know what to do. So I want to share with you. God says, submit to him. Amen. Welcome him into your heart. Allow him to steer and guide your life. Start a relationship with him. Because that's what the Bible says. It says if you want, if you want to, to live this out, if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, then you accept him in your heart and have a relationship with him. It's just not a prayer. It's a relationship. Romans 10, 9, 10 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a belief system in your heart, a faith in your heart. You can say that prayer and not have it in your heart. It doesn't mean anything. But I want to give you that opportunity. Don't leave out of here without saying this. Make sure if there's any doubt, if you're on the fence and you go, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Say this prayer, accept him into your heart. And give him the right to pull you off the fence onto the kingdom side. Because that's what you do when you say this prayer and you believe in your heart. You're a child of God. So that's what this is about. So with every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you online. If that's you here in this building. And you want to know Jesus. You want to accept Jesus into your heart. All you got to do is raise your hand. Just let me know. We're going to pray a prayer. We're going to do it together as a church. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you come up front. I just want to pray with you. So if there's anybody in the room, just got to raise your hand so I know who we're praying for. If there's anybody online, come on. God sees your hand. God sees your heart. Just surrender to him. So we're going to say this as a church. We're going to repeat this together as a church. Say this prayer as a church. So I just want everybody to repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I need you. I kept you out of my life for too long. I can't do it on my own. Change me. Come into my life. Be my savior. I know you died on the cross and rose again just for me. Today, I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, y'all. I just know that the kingdom just grew. <laughs> the kingdom just got larger. And I believe that there's churches across the, the country today where the kingdom got larger. So it's back on our shoulders. Don't walk this thing out without doing what God wants you to do. Don't walk out this life just letting things happen. Take control. Take authority over what God's given you authority over with. And let's take control of the situation in this land. We can't sit on the sideline anymore. God put a jersey on us for a reason, and that's to get in the game. And it's time to do it the right way, God's way. Amen? Amen. Look, y'all, um, this is, um, yeah, uh, we, we, it's, I guess the last part of our worship is giving. <laughs> we believe. I haven't done this in a while, Kevin. See, you, you keep stealing it from me, brother. Um, we just believe at Destiny Church that is part of worship is giving. So, um, you know, we can give online. You can give on a, the app. You can give in the kiosk out in the foyer. I just know this. We can't do what we do, right? We can't spread the word if you don't give. And I'm not doing that to pressure you to give. You give with a cheerful heart. Like I said before, if you're not cheerful about giving, don't give. I don't want it. This church doesn't want it, right? You give with a cheerful heart. And you're not giving to a church. You're giving through a church. God already has a plan and a vision. He's already lined people up in the future who we are supposed to connect with, that we're supposed to get the word out to. 
And when you give, it goes to that mission. It goes to that ability for us to reach people who need to hear the gospel. It's gonna go to those missions. It goes to all kinds of things. We, you know, <laughs> we tithe as a church. So we believe in tithing so much, we take a tenth of everything you give and we give it. We do that every single month. We give to missions, we give to organizations. Look, we believe in it. And we've been blessed because of it. Because God sees our heart and that's what it's all about. So I'm gonna pray over our offering. Uh, We're gonna surrender that to him. I'll have the prayer partners come down if you need prayer this morning. Uh, Come on down, we'd love to pray for you. I'm going to pray over this offering. I'll pray over this week, and then we'll be dismissed, and I look forward to seeing everybody next week. So, Father, we thank you, God. We love you, Lord. Ah, what a good day, Father. We thank you that we get to do this, Father, that we have the ability to come in and meet in a church and just worship you, God. We thank you for that, Lord. And right now, I thank you, Father, for all those hearts, those that, are, that, that, that have the heart to give, Father. We thank you for that. We ask you to bless the gift and bless the giver. And Father, right now, as we prepare for another week, God, we pray right now that the devil knows our name, Lord. Come on. Father, we just know that, Lord, you're about ready to do something powerful in this country and in this world, Lord. There's a sifting taking place, God, and we want to be wearing your jersey. So, Father, use us in a mighty way this week. Father, we, 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 we expect and declare divine appointments this week, God. That you'll put people in front of us that need to hear the word, God. And you'll put the word in our mouth, everything we need to say. So, Father, we thank you for that. We love you, Lord. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Come on, y'all. Come up, come up for prayer if you need prayer. If not... Guys, I look forward to seeing you again next week. We love you guys, and uh, have a good one.